Thanks for your stories of being good neighbours. I, I think they were great and um, would love to uh, write them up on a website somewhere or other. We, um, we're, we're calling, I, I, don't, I might have mentioned this, <coughs> we're calling the city to um, have a month of uh, good neighbours in uh, July. And so we've, there's a website or a um, Facebook page um, up on uh, being a good neighbour and uh, some of those stories I'd love to see on that uh, Facebook, we might need to change names and uh, details to protect privacy, but that'd be great. Um, one of the things I was thinking of is, as you were sharing, Brett, you were talking about neighbours that are pretty unresponsive and sometimes you can't get letters to them even by hand and all that sort of stuff. And I, I don't think we should beat ourselves up over people who are unresponsive. Um, I think the Bible calls us to do things as we have opportunity. And, uh, and I, I just thought of, of these verses as I was sitting there uh, in Romans 12, it says, Be friendly with everyone. Don't be proud and feel that you're more clever than others. Make friends with ordinary people. So that's a pretty general call. Um, don't ill-treat someone who has ill-treated you. So I suppose applying it to neighbours who are unresponsive, well, you know, that's their problem, but we need to make sure the problem isn't coming from our side of the fence, so to speak. Um, and then it says, uh, Try to earn the respect of others. So that's... that's um, that's a big challenge sometimes, isn't it? Try to earn the respect of others and do your best to live at peace with everyone. Um, in the NIV, I think it says, um, live at peace with everyone as far as it depends upon you. And that, that's a very realistic statement, isn't it? Uh, living at peace with everyone as far as it depends upon you. In other words, if there's no peace, if there isn't peace, make sure you're not the source of it, you're not the reason for it. So that's, that's pretty realistic calling. So I, I don't think we should beat ourselves up over people who are, are not responsive. And as far as, um, Trace, I, I was thinking about the frustration that you were talking about. I, I, I see that sort of frustration in Jesus as he's, as he's uh, walking with the disciples. Um, you know, he comes out and, he, you know, couldn't you stay awake, you know, while I was, while I was in need of your support and, and um, that sort of thing. So I, I don't think uh, it's a call to a non-frustrated relationship with people. I mean, parenting has plenty of frustrations and... And uh, you know the, the the best of friendships have plenty of frustration. So it's what we do with those frustrations, I think, that's uh, the important thing. So that was just a couple of things that I thought of as I was enjoying the worship. Um, but we we come to this uh, part three on um, good neighbours, and I've, I've actually entitled this one "Good Neighbours and Fighting Fairly," um, which uh, perhaps ties into a couple of the couple of the stories. Um, we, we looked last week at the idea that uh, neighbourliness is expressed in three things, meeting needs, hospitality and creating a sense of belonging. And those are the first three things that we looked at. Obviously there's so many other things, but those are the three things that we concentrated on coming out of the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, meeting needs, hospitality and creating a sense of of belonging, that, that we belong or that people belong. This week I, I want to look at neighbourliness from another perspective and uh, uh, namely it's, it's when these following three things need to be expressed. Forgiveness, uh, conflict management and advocacy. So it's a bit of a different turn on it. The first three, meeting needs, hospitality, sense of belonging, space to belong but what about when things aren't going real good? Um, well, I think the Bible calls us to forgiveness, uh, to conflict management, to managing conflicts and to advocacy, to advocate, to stand with another person and to advocate for them at times. 
I just want to share a, um, one passage with you as we venture into this, a passage about forgiveness, and it's uh, Matthew 18, verses 20 to 35, and uh, again I'm coming out of the CEV, so a bit different to the NIV. Matthew chapter 18, and uh, starting at verse 20, where Jesus says, Wherever two or three of you come together in my name, I am there with you. Uh, Peter came up to the Lord and asked, How many times should I forgive someone who does something wrong to me? Is seven times enough? Jesus answered, Not just seven times, but seventy-seven times. This story will show you what the kingdom of heaven is like. One day a king decided to call in his officials and ask them to give an account of what they owed him. As he was doing this, one official was brought in who owed him 50 million silver coins. He didn't have any money to pay what he owed. The king ordered him to be sold along with his wife and children and all he owned in order to pay the debt. The official got down on his knees and began begging, Have pity on me and I'll pay you every penny I owe. The king felt sorry for him and let him go free. He even told the official that he did not have to pay back the money. As the official was leaving, he happened to meet another official who owed him a hundred silver coins. So he grabbed the man by the throat and he started choking him and said, Pay me what you owe. The man got down on his knees and began begging, Have pity on me and I will pay you back. But the first official refused to have pity. Instead he went and had the other official put in jail until he could pay what he owed. When some other officials found out what had happened, they felt sorry for the man who had been put in jail. Then they told the king what had happened and the king called the first official back in and said, You're an evil man. When you begged for mercy, I said, You didn't have to pay back a penny. Don't you think you should show pity to someone else as I did to you? The king was so angry that he ordered the official to be tortured until he could pay back everything he owed. And that's how my father in heaven will treat you if you don't forgive each of my followers with all your heart. Pretty heavy passage really, especially that last bit. It's pretty heavy stuff, but it, it, uh, it's really talking about how important God sees uh, the, uh, the, the, the forgiveness and uh, in answer to the question, how, how many times? Again, you know, similar to, to last week, Peter is trying to put boundaries on his neighbourliness, if you like, on his love to others. How many times? You know, when do I reach the extreme and that it's okay to no longer forgive? And Jesus basically says never. Um, so let, let's talk first of all about forgiveness. You know, even when we're committed to the love of neighbour through meeting needs, uh, through hospitality and through creating sense of belonging, uh, things will go wrong and we will often be hurt by those uh, that we're trying to love. Uh, this is life as we know it. And so forgiveness is necessary uh, if we're going to move on and be free. So what does the Bible have to say about forgiveness? Well, it has a lot to say about forgiveness. Oftentimes in story and sometimes in teaching passages, the Bible addresses the need to forgive. Matthew chapter 6, verses 12 to 15, where uh, the Lord's Prayer we call it. Jesus says, and forgive us our debts. This is how we are to pray to pray that God would forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So again, pretty heavy passage. We oftentimes don't read that little bit on the end of the Lord's Prayer but it's a pretty heavy passage, isn't it? Uh, our forgiving others is tied in somehow or other to God's forgiving of us. 
Um, Proverbs 19.11 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook, and the word there could be translated to forgive, an offence. It is to one's glory to forgive an offence. 2 Corinthians 2.7 Now instead you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Uh, that's that story about uh, the person who the uh, Corinthian church had been told to deal with uh, with uh, some discipline and then it seems like they overdid it a bit and, uh, and Paul then in 2 Corinthians says now's the time to forgive and, uh, and, and help him, comfort him. Um, and uh, Matthew 18, which we've already read, is that uh, passage that basically says there are no boundaries to forgiveness. Uh, keep on forgiving. Colossians 3, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Last verse on this one, Mark 11:25. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. And so that's just a selection of a few verses in Scripture that address the topic of forgiveness. If we are to be good neighbours, we need to forgive the neighbours who are hurting us. Uh, there's no option, there's no boundary and uh, the consequences of not forgiving are really pretty frightening. But before I, I go further, I need to relieve the pressure a little bit because uh, so often we misunderstand what forgiveness is all about. And so we don't uh, enter into this realm of forgiveness because it appears much too hard for us. We need to define forgiveness accurately. Now this is <coughs> uh, um, uh, something that you know it would be really good to spend a long time on, but uh, just very, very briefly... Um, oftentimes people say, yeah, but if I forgive this person, it's actually saying that it's okay that they hurt me. Well, that's not forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness is not saying it's okay that you hurt me. Um, sometimes people go a little bit further than that and they say, but if I forgive this person, I'm actually giving permission for them to hurt me again. I'm putting down my, my, my boundaries, my barriers, I'm saying hit me again. Well, it's not. Forgiveness is not about uh, giving permission. Uh, to do that again to me. Um, sometimes people say, but if I forgive, I have to be reconciled with that person. And that's not necessarily true. Uh, sometimes reconciliation with somebody who has hurt you badly, I think in the areas, for instance, of, of, of child abuse and, and, and uh, some of the, the, the things uh, that are associated with that, it would be wrong for reconciliation to occur. And so um, forgiving is, is certainly not the same as reconciliation. Uh, to restore the relationship is quite a different process uh, to the process of forgiveness. Uh, sometimes people talk about uh, forgiving is forgetting. In fact, you often hear people say God forgives and forgets. Well, isn't it absolutely wonderful that God's forgiveness of us is not based upon his bad memory. <laughs> um, it, it's not based upon him forgetting what we did. It's based upon his choosing not to remember or choosing not to hold it against us. It's a cognitive choice, if you like. It's a thing of the will. And so is our forgiveness. Forgiveness is not forgetting that somebody has done something bad to us. Forgiveness is more about choosing not to remember that it's not, I'm not going to hold this uh, in my uh, memory uh, anymore. It's a cognitive decision. It's not an emotional one. 
Uh, it's more about releasing you uh, from your inner tormentors than anything else. You see, when we don't forgive, uh, we're locking ourselves into whatever it was that hurt us. And these become uh, what some people have called the inner tormentors. And really when we forgive, when we release ourselves from the burden of, of unforgiveness, uh, we're actually releasing ourselves from the inner tormentors. And it's more for us that we forgive than it is uh, for anybody else or anything else. Um, forgiveness is, is, is not a single act, but it's a context that we create in which we choose to live. I'm, I'm choosing to live a life of forgiveness. That's the idea that God is calling us to. And I think to be good neighbours we need to choose to be forgiving people. Well, having said that, we move into the the second area today and that is conflict management. Being good neighbours is not going to be a guarantee that there will be no conflict. Uh, In fact, the, the closer that we are to people, the more possible that conflict will be a part of that. Uh, Conflict happens in the best of relationships when we don't uh, cover over all things and when we get behind the facade uh, conflict is more likely to happen and that's life as we know it. Conflict happens and it needs to be managed. What does the Bible say about conflict management? Well just like it says a lot about forgiveness, it says a lot about conflict and how we need to manage it. There are plenty of stories about conflict in the Bible. Conflict between God and humans, conflict between God and Satan, conflict between humans and Satan, conflict between humans and humans, and so we could go on. There's plenty of conflict in the Bible. And there's plenty of instructions on how to manage conflict right across the Bible, mostly by examples within the stories, but sometimes by by teaching. There's one interesting case study uh, in the church in Corinth which I've already uh, mentioned in passing in the area of forgiveness. The church in Corinth, Paul uh, writes to them, they're they're, they're trying to deal with a member who was out of line and in 1 Corinthians uh, Paul writes to the church and tells them in no uncertain terms they must confront and they must challenge and they must act. Uh, They must act decisively as a way of managing the conflict. But then in 2 Corinthians it seems that they did that in 2 Corinthians he writes to help them see that they also need to be ready uh, to, to try to reconcile and to draw the man back in, this sense of belonging that we were talking about last week. It seems that Paul was concerned uh, that they were not operating in a context of forgiveness and so conflict management and forgiveness are closely tied together. Uh, one teaching passage in scripture that uh, looks at conflict management is um, when Jesus gives instructions on how to respond to wrongdoing in somebody else and it comes up in Matthew chapter 18 verses 15 to 17 he says if your brother or sister sins go and point out their fault just between the two of you if they listen to you you've won them over but if they'll not listen uh, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses if they still refuse to listen Uh, tell it to the church and if they refuse to listen even to the church then treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Just in passing you know how you're supposed to treat pagans and tax collectors don't you? Exactly the way that 
Jesus traded on me, treated him pretty well, really. <laughs> so, so um, uh, treating somebody uh, as a pagan or a tax collector is, is not saying you know they're scumbags or anything like that. It's uh, it's it's basically saying that they they're um, they they need to be treated uh, as people who are off the track and uh, need to be wooed back through through love and uh, forgiveness and so forth. Jesus in in this passage is basically saying if if you need to confront it, confront it. If you need to challenge it, challenge it. But first of all, do it one on one. Unfortunately, we uh, seem to have a default position when uh, something needs to be challenged. Uh, we tell everybody else about it first, and uh, and sometimes we do that um, uh, through uh, prayer requests, um, which is sort of sanctified gossip. And uh, we need to be very careful uh, of, of entering into that domain. And so Jesus is pretty clear that if you've got to confront it, if you've got to challenge it, uh, do it one on one. If that works, it's over. Reconciliation. If that works, then you don't have to go any further. If that doesn't resolve the conflict, you need to take it further, taking one or two with you so that you can establish the truthfulness and you can get wisdom in this situation. Not to gang up, but that justice might be seen to be done. And if that still doesn't work, well, you take it to the church or the equivalent, you know, because this, is, this stuff doesn't apply only to people in the church. It applies uh, to... Uh, uh, to, to society as well, that we bring other people into it and, and that um, we shouldn't be shying away from discipline. But there should always be the hope of the issue being resolved and the relationship being protected. It's really interesting to me that this passage, this Matthew 18 passage, is in a context that includes a couple of other stories. Let me just remind you. Before Jesus tells this story, the disciples are arguing about who is the greatest and being forced to see that it's all about humility, not greatness. Uh, how much uh, conflict um, is in this area of wanting to feel better than the other person? And Jesus says, well, really, it's all about humility. It's not about greatness. I wonder how much conflict would be nipped in the bud <laughs> if we lived these words on humility. Uh, the, the, uh, this passage is also in the context of the terrible situation of causing other people to sin. Uh, no matter what, don't be the cause of other people's sinfulness. That surely needs to be in mind when we're talking about challenging and confronting and sorting things through. And it's also in the context of the importance of winning back a lost, wandering person. So we, we need to be very careful about not ripping this out of context and, and saying this is the passage on uh, conflict management and these other passages belong somewhere else. But Jesus is, 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 is talking about these things as a bit of a mix of life, isn't it? That humility is really important. Whatever you do, uh, whether you're confronting or challenging or, or, or whatever you do, make sure that you're not causing other people to sin in that and how important it is to win back a person who is lost and wandering. So it's that, that's the context there of Matthew 18, the context of forgiveness and humility and consideration of the other. When there's that context, wrongdoing and conflict can be addressed in ways that will be gossip-free and seeking justice and issue resolution and relational reconciliation. So that's the second area that we're talking about today. Forgiveness managing conflict that comes up in the closest of relationships, in the best of neighbours. The third area, and the last one for this morning, is, is advocacy. Sometimes the conflict is between two people or maybe one person and a system 
where there's a power differential that makes the type of conflict management detailed here in Matthew 18 impossible. And that's when advocacy is needed. Advocacy is all about us taking the cause of somebody else, taking on the cause of somebody else, to stand with that person, to talk for that person, to empower that person and to do all we can to overcome justice. Uh, sorry, to overcome injustice. So what does the Bible say about advocacy? Once again it says plenty. For instance, in 1 John 2.1 we're told that Jesus is our advocate before the Father. He is standing with us. The power differential is pretty incredible between us and the Father and Jesus is standing with us, advocating for us, speaking for us, supporting us. It's a beautiful picture. The advocate, uh, uh, the, the, the word advocacy in this passage means one who pleads another's cause, one who is interceding. That's the advocate. And then Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, uh, the, the word encouragement there, it says encourage one another as, uh, and even more as the day is drawing near. And, uh, and it's given as one of the reasons why we gather together as God's people to encourage one another. Well, the word encourage translates the Greek word parakletos, which means to walk alongside, which is the idea of the advocate, to walk alongside. One understanding of advocacy is walking alongside and we're called to encourage one another every chance we get. And so we come to all of the one another passages in Scripture. Uh, love one another and care for one another and be there for one another and so forth. They can all be applied to advocacy of walking alongside as we're called uh, to that alongside relationship to endeavour to make a stand on the other's part, especially when it comes to justice and mercy that injustice might be swept away. Now, James 1.27 is one example where James is saying true religion is to be able to stand with, to advocate with uh, the vulnerable and the powerless. And so last week we saw that neighbourliness, being a good neighbour, involves, um, involves meeting needs and involves standing, uh, walking with people uh, to create a space, a sense of belonging and so on. And this, this week we've seen that well, sometimes things are not real smooth in relationships and, and people hurt us. So what's our response as good neighbours? What's to forgive? Uh, but we're not called to be doormats in relationships and sometimes we have to confront and challenge but we've got to be careful how we do that. And then other times we are walking with people who really need some help in standing up for themselves because the power differential is so huge. i got an idea that, that might increase in Australia over the next little while. And the call for us to be advocates, to stand with people who are doing it tough, is going to increase. Well, that's what a good neighbour does. <laughs> what a good neighbour does. Let's just have a moment of quietness as we come to a conclusion in this uh, service to think about the things that are being said. Anybody that needs to be forgiven? Anybody that needs to be challenged? Anybody that you need to stand with and stand up for?
Let's allow God to speak to us in a few moments of silence and then I'll lead us in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for being our advocate, for for standing with us. We um, don't have the words to express really our our gratitude and our realisation of uh, what that means for us in areas of forgiveness and grace and mercy. And we thank you for that. And please help us this morning to not be the sort of people who walk away from that realisation and and then don't pour that out to others as we have opportunity. Help us to be people, I pray, who will be able to forgive and to challenge well and to stand with people doing it tough. Please help us to be good neighbours this week. In Jesus' name. Amen.